to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me as always, the gentleman who created Man Night in College, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Mr. Clark, doing uh, doing rather well today. Um, ready to talk some Mariner baseball and... Uh... Some baseball card drama, you know, all that stuff going on lately. So I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's funny you bring up the the baseball card drama. I ripped open three blaster boxes of Stadium Club today. Abby did help me rip some of those nice, up, open, nice. and uh, yeah, she she enjoys it. She she says she likes the look on my face, but she she likes trying to pull autos too out of those. So. Uh, but we didn't get any autos. Mm, that was the unfortunate part. Yep. Did did get quite a few Mariners. Got a George Kirby, a Randy Johnson. I got a Ken Griffey base, which I was looking to get because I, I don't know. I love the look at the card. It's one of his. Uh, I think it was one of the old uh, home run derby pictures that they used. Ooh. And it's definitely like the the tail end of his swing. You know, if you're a Mariners fan, you know Ken Griffey's got probably the swingest sweetest swing in all of baseball history and it's at the tail end and it's just it's a perfect shot and uh you know i i just love stadium club in general and so i love the look of those cards and and i'm so glad i got the griffey out of it so yeah i'm happy for you yeah i think i got i think i got a, i think i got a griffey i can't remember i got, I got some stadium club we'll have to go through it we'll have we have we've, we've we've wanted to do a baseball card episode for quite a while we should we should get on that yeah yeah you know what i i think we'll uh you know through spring training you know we'll we'll lengthen up a couple of our episodes by talking about some of our favorite baseball cards and we'll post uh we'll post pictures along side you know on our social media pages pages so speaking about social media let's you know before we get into everything let's just hop in and and uh do our little spill at the start here um you know thank you again if you're taking time to listen to the forks down podcast um like i said last week we finally have over five thousand listens um you might think oh you guys have been going on for uh 90 plus episodes now that's still a big accomplishment for us um you know whether it's one person, five people, or 50 people a week that we're talking to you. If someone wants to talk about Mariners baseball, um, you know, we're here to, we're here to talk about it and, uh, you know, share our, our thoughts. So thank you again for, for taking time to listen to the Forks Down podcast, whether, um, you know, this is your first episode or this is your 90th episode. Um, if you haven't already, go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, and find us on Threads. Just search Forks Down Podcast. And you can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. You'll get notified about new episodes dropping. Um, you can rate us one to five. If you rate us five and help us out, it'll drive us up the charts a little bit. You know, we'll be uh, recognized a little bit more just because their algorithm uses uh, star ratings to, to push us up and down. Give us more visibility when you search us. Um, so if you can help us out that way, we will help you out by bringing you the best and hopefully com- most complete Mariners content possible that we can be in third-party sources. Fourth-party, fifth-party, whatever. <laughs> We're getting this all secondhand, but we like to talk about it. So, With all that being said, Bo, let's hop into it. The Mariners do have some minor transactions to go over. 
And my favorite, he's he's coming to his new home in Seattle. Mr. Cannon Smith and Jigba was claimed off waivers from the Pirates. Um, for those of you that are also Seahawks fans, you go, Smith and Jigba, I've heard that name before. His brother Jackson, Smith and Jigba, is a wide receiver for the Mariners, or for the Mariners, for the Seahawks. And he uh, was drafted last year out of Ohio State and uh, was probably the best receiver in the draft. And his brother went the other way and uh, went the baseball route and has been with the Pirates organization. But he is now a Seattle Mariner. Um, Bo, do you know anything about this guy that, that I'm not going to tell you about? Did you do some research on him? Um, you know, formerly with, uh, with the Yankees, um, I believe he was part of, oh, I, oh he was with the, yeah. I thought he was just with the, I thought he was just with the Pirates. He was with the Yankees. Uh, he too? was originally with the Yankees. I believe, I believe it's Nick, Nick, okay. Nick Jibba that was, uh, part of a Jameson Toyon trade, if I remember correctly. That might, I might, I might be misremembering something there, but, um, but yeah, he was a former fourth round pick. Um, he was only ever really given about a 35, 40 overall value, but, um, yeah, I was curious, curious signing. He did hit, uh, 15 home runs, 21 stolen bases, batted 280, 366 on base percentage last year in triple a. So. Um, a couple highlights there, but uh, unfortunately he did play in 15 games for the pirates and uh, hit 125, 216 on base percentage, with the 219 slug, and he struck out 43% of the time. So um, hate to kind of bring us down there, but um, anyways, yeah, a little odd in terms of like they, you know, they did, I think officially add him to the 40 man roster. So they had to designate, um, had to designate Darren McCacken, which is another transaction we'll talk about here soon, I'm guessing. But uh, yeah, he's he's on the 40 man roster, and uh, yeah, part of this uh, part of this Mariner team right now. So um, I don't quite know where he fits in. Right, we'll see if he's in play for what we think is probably likely the the last bench spot on the team. But uh, should be uh, should be interesting to see how his spring goes. From some of the rumblings that I've been seeing on X, I can't call it X anymore. I'm just going to call it Twitter. It's, it's Twitter to me. Sorry, Elon. Um, but uh, some of the stuff that I've been seeing that's been tweeted out, um, he's he's actually been going to driveline. So I kind of am wondering if, I don't know, JP or someone kind of relayed back to the office, like something they're seeing there, you know, and, and you know, Mariners are just taking a flyer on him. Honestly, his his ceiling probably isn't much higher than a, a bench bat, to be honest with you. He's not going to go and steal one of the corner outfield spots or first base or anything. Um, but, I, you know, he's, he's a solid minor league player, as you, you brought up his stats earlier. And if he's going to driveline, then obviously he wants to get better, you know. And, uh, you know, it'll be kind of cool. If he does end up making the roster at some point this season, even if it's not opening day, but, you know, someone gets hurt or we have a couple injuries here and there and he shows up, you know, and then, you know, you're, you're just playing into, you know, now the Smith and Jigba brothers are, have both played home games in Seattle, whether it be at uh, the clink um, or at T-Mobile park. So uh, cool to see good story. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see what happens with him. 
Um, like you brought up, and then this will go into our second transaction, he was added to the 40-man roster, and that meant Darren McCacken got DFA'd. Um, it was kind of wild because he got DFA'd and then was announced as a non-roster invitee to spring training, but then they traded him to the Marlins um, just for cash. And uh, yep. I, I think that was the more surprising part than him being DFA'd is being traded. Yeah, I I also kind of thought, um, you know, there's this kind of this, uh, um, and it, the McCacken's not a major loss, certain by certainly by any means, but you know, McCacken was a good guy to come in when your when your bullpen's taxed, when your starters, um, when you basically when you need like a bulk innings guy, right? McCacken was going to be a good choice for that, um, and I think the Mariners still have some options with you know. Austin Voth and Emerson Hancock. Um, and there might be a couple guys after that, that get some shots, maybe Casey Lawrence, who was also a part of this transaction, but uh, transactions recently, but um, yeah, I thought, you know, McCacken was a good fill in guy for those situations. Um, and this maybe means that Tommy Malone has an entrance back into a, you know, a Tacoma Rainier uniform, but um, uh, all to say, uh, you know, Darren McCacken, you know, I'm thankful for everything that he was able to do as a Mariner, and hopefully he'll get, you know, some chances with the Marlins. You know, the Marlins have a pretty young pitching staff. I I mean, again, he'll probably play the same role that he did in Seattle. Um, kind of be, you know, that guy that comes up and eats some innings when some of the guys are tired. Um, but with how riddled some of those guys have been, you know, with injuries, he could see some time maybe at the, the fifth starter position or maybe a long relief, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens with McCacken. Um, and I, I think that just like you brought up, I, I think we do have the Mariners have the pitching depth that they feel, I guess with Voth and Knebel and uh, you know, like you said, Casey Lawrence, who was just signed to a minor league deal. Um, Emerson Hancock, um, I, I don't, I, I think pitching is the least of their worries right now. So, um, good luck McCacken get some, uh, some, some playing time in a Marlins uniform, but, uh, hello Cannon Smith and Jigba. So, um, I already mentioned it. Casey Lawrence was signed to a minor league deal. And then, um, we did claim one other person off waivers, Colin Schneider from the D backs. Um, again, both pitchers. Uh, I, I don't know about either of these guys, Bo. What can you fill me in on, on either of these guys? Uh, sure thing. So Colin Snyder, um, his most recent experience with the, with the Kansas city Royals, um, going to be, a going to be a fastball slider combo pitcher, right? Stop me if you've, stop me, stop me if you've heard Shocker. that one before. Um, but yeah. does throw a cutter as well. Um, at least he did in 2023. Um, you know, fastball is going to ride right around 96 miles per hour. Um, I, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good profile. I would say for, you know, a Mariner, um, bullpen arm of some sort, right. I think it's a pretty good profile for what the Mariners have turned into something in the past. So, um, all to say, you know, very well could be, you know, somebody that, uh, we see in a Mariner uniform um, if, you know, give us some time in Tacoma and he's, uh, you know, given the shot there. So um, 
that's kind of the book on um, on Colin there. Um, Casey Lawrence is kind of making his return technically to the Mariners. He was with the Mariners in uh, 2018, um, spent 11 games with the Mariners coming out of the bullpen. Um, uh, did have a 7.33 ERA with the Mariners at the time, so we won't really talk about that. Um, but uh, most recently was with the the Cardinals um, and the Blue Jay, the Blue Jays in 2023. Um, I think his Blue Jays line probably most relevant. Um, you know, it was struck out eight per nine, walked a little under three per nine, but gave up about one and a half home runs per nine. Um, you know, ERA was still about four and a half somewhere in there, so. Um, you know, kind of a, kind of a journeyman, kind of getting an older guy, 36 years old. Um, the Mariners just kind of see what they got with him and very well could fill a, fill a bulk reliever role or something like that. Somewhere along the line. How can I forget Mariners legend Casey Lawrence? What the heck? 731 ERA. That that's nothing to scoff at there. <laughs> uh, would have been better than, yeah, either of us out there. So, um, probably better than my career high school year eight. So yeah. So overall good. You still had a, you still had a sick curveball. Uh, for, for like a game and a half. I had a, I had a good curveball. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did catch a couple of your, your ball games before you unceremoniously quit the team. We're going to talk about that. We aren't going to talk about that. <laughs> um, it's funny that they're signing all these pictures and then, you know, Colin Schneider's name was claimed and, and whatnot. Did you see, what was I looking at? Was it baseball subreddit? Someone had mentioned the twins that with the addition of guys like Topa and stuff like that, they are now Fangraphs now projects them to have the f- number one best bullpen in the AL. And I think either the second or third best in the whole MLB, you know, and uh, it, it was funny because the comments on that, that Reddit post started out with the Phillies getting mentioned a lot and twins fans come in and go, of course the comment section is, is turning into a Phillies, you know, comment section. Thanks guys. But then, like, the second top comment was a Mariners fan that said, all you guys sleep on the Mariners when someone like Colin Schneider and Jonathan Lovera become two of the best middle relief guys in the game. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not that far off, right? Like, Mauricio Lovera, like, I thought his profile looked, yeah, it looked very similar to Justin Topa. Like, very similar. Like, I kind of feel like if they end up making Mauricio Lovera, to, to, that's not crazy for them to think that that could happen so uh yeah i the, we'll see i think that yeah i looked at, i was looking at that too i think they did put the mariners like 12th i think in so yeah. i think that was they I think that's where, where, where it was at um pinch between uh, i think the blue jays and was it the cardinals uh pinch between they between we the blue jays between. and the mets so the yeah. mets that's there's another one like I mean, they have pretty decent bullpens, but, you know, they're that low. It was kind of shocking to me. Well, Fangraphs um, Ward really loves Matt Brash, so I feel like they're they're only projecting him for, like, a win right now. I feel like Matt Brash is probably going to blow that blow that away. So, um, yeah, I think they're I think they're a little too a little too bearish on the Mariners uh, bullpen. Yeah. Well, isn't it also Fangraphs that rates 
Gregory Santos is like the number one reliever in all of baseball. And we just picked him up. So, um, yeah, they really like, they really like Santos. Um, I don't know if they're projected. I think they, they are projecting for maybe a little bit of an injury concern on there with some stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Zips. Zips yeah. really likes Gregory Santos. Yeah. Zips. Zips. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I I meant to say Mauricio Lovera. I think I was thinking like I combined him and Jonathan Diaz. So there's a, there's a lot of relievers going back and forth. So I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> Just some of the ones they mentioned. I'm like, uh, we have this guy. It was, it's kind of like the, this last season, JB Bukakis. What, what are we former first round pick? Really? Mm. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, moving on here, Bo, um, you know, in our off season notes, uh, we, we mentioned that Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Jorge Solar, they all remain unsigned going into spring training. Um, are you shocked by that? Um, I'm not shocked by it. Just given that they're all, you know, most of all, I don't know if Torrey Soler is, but like the big four, they're all Boris clients, right? This is kind of what they do. They just kind of extend it as far as they can. And then they get to, you know, spring training and they'll probably eventually end up signing or somebody will end up, you know, giving them some money somewhere. But, uh, it is a little bit of different cause like, you know, the, all, all the teams seem to be going through this regional sports network issue, which is leave it that way. So it seems like there's less money to spend or it seems that way. We should put it that way. Um, but, uh, unless you're the Dodgers, unless, unless you're, you're the, the Dodgers. Dodgers. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little curious, right? I, um, I really wonder where Blake Snell's likely going to end up at. Blake Snell is, um, projections and people are really down on Blake Snell's like, future and him aging well right so it just uh it makes it really um befuddling to where he's gonna end up at he, i think unfortunately he very well might end up at the angels because just seems like something the angels would do so we'll see um but oh so you're you're telling me he's gonna turn into another cj wilson yeah yeah maybe i don't know if he yeah could be he's left-handed too right cj wilson left-handed yeah, yeah, so yeah. there you go um yeah. but uh i think this is all to say like if I'm looking at this from like a Mariners perspective, right. Um, I don't know if I really see Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger seems like very likely to go back to the Cubs for me. I think Matt Chapman is a little bit of a wild card. I think he could probably end up in the, like the giants make a lot of sense, but Jordan Montgomery is the one that I think would probably have the most impact. Um, because I think that he is pretty likely to go back to the Rangers. And if that happens that, you know, that would impact the Mariners uh, a good bit there. So, you know what I think? I think the Mariners should try and try and sign. You know, I, I thought this at the start of the offseason, Jorge Soler, so we can have five DH players playing five different positions on the field. What do you what do you what do you say? I'll go all in. I'll go all in on on swing on yeah on exit velocity and everything else. Yeah, screw defense, right? Screw defense. We had thirtieth, you know, production out of our dh position we will have we will be number one if we do that defense will be 30th number one dh production come on come on who who hey, says we, no here? We, where's we the lie we haven't where's tried it yet right we haven't tried it we don't know we don't know if it would work or not why right? we don't know so let's give it a shot yeah 
J- Jerry, sign us to make some decisions for you. We can, we can really. Bo has, Bo has. He was the former GM of the Kansas City Royals in MVP Baseball 2004. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. Come on. And, Come two, on. and 2005. I, I just want to clarify. And you got, uh, and, you got a, two years. Two years running. Yeah. Two, two years running. And how many World Series did multiple. you win? Multiple. 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 I thought it was zero. But anyways, you know you know where, you know, you make good baseball decisions. <laughs> so, Jerry, okay, this is less about me, Jerry. It's more about Bo. Get him in the front office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we mentioned those players not being um, signed going into spring training. Spring training starts this week. Um, it is currently two twelve. We are four days away from pitchers and catchers. Excuse me, it's on Valentine's Day, right? Uh, the, are we two days away from pitchers 15th, and catchers. Three days. Fifteenth. Yeah. Three days. So we're we're three days away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Um, and as you mentioned, Bo, to me before we got started, fan graphs. And Pakoda both dropped their um, their odds, their playoff odds, stuff like that. Um, yeah, hit me with them. Uh, sure, sure thing, sure thing, boss man. Uh, so we I mean, we got uh, MLB playoff odds. Yeah, they dropped. Um, and a lot of good. There's a lot of good content that came out for 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 baseball fans last week. But um, yeah, the uh. uh the AL odds dropped and I'll kind of run through these and get your reaction on this. But um, yeah, the AL East, the Yankees had the best playoff odds. Uh, They have a 74% chance to make the playoffs. Um, The Astros have the 84th, 84% chance to make the playoffs. The twins have a 64% chance to make the playoffs. And then I think I put in the notes, the three, but I think the Mariners, the Mariners are fourth. The Mariners have a, 58%, 59%, 58.7% 58%, 59%, percent chance to make the playoffs. Um, some notables, right? The Rays are behind the Mariners, the Orioles behind the Mariners, the Blue Jays are behind the Mariners, and the Rangers are notably behind the Mariners as well. So if you're looking at it that way, you would pick the Mariners, but to be, you know, fourth, probably going to the season using some sort of power rankings of some sort. But, um, what are your what are your reactions to that? Do you feel like it's accurate? Do you feel like it's off? And I would note that there's not a whole lot of difference between the Rays, the Orioles, and the Mariners, and that kind of feels right to me. But how does that feel to you? Well, looking at what you put in the notes for for Pakoda, uh, it's kind of shocking. We do see these odds, and and you're going to get into the Pakoda ones here in a second, but we do see like some funky stuff. Um, with different odds, different, you know, it, it depends on where you're looking at and you'll, you'll get kind of different predictions. Um, and, and so you're going to see some wildly different predictions and odds um, drop as we get closer to the season. Fangraphs is a little surprising to me. Um, fourth, fourth best is pretty high, you know, and, and um, you know, being ahead of teams like the Blue Jays, the Rangers, the Rays, um, I don't know. I, I, we're going to do our, our power rankings list coming up and I'm so undecided on where I want to put the Mariners because I think they have the potential. I, don't, I shouldn't say the potential. 
they have the ceiling of winning the division and the floor of win- of going 500 or worse. You know, like it's so broad for the Mariners this season. You know, and and we're going to see that we we're seeing it here with Fangraphs putting them third best and and where Pakota put them not great, you know? So I, it's shocking to me. It's shocking to me. To be honest with you, it's shocking in a sense of um the Blue Jays and Rays and you said the Orioles, right? All three of those teams, I think, have a, a fairly decent team and could be incrementally better than the Mariners. Yeah, and I and I think you're, I, I what well, the way I the way I like to think about it is, we'll talk about Pakoda here, but like, I don't even really know. Like, it seems like they both kind of agree on Houston and Houston and the Yankees probably being the top two um, in bait in the AL and. I I can get there I guess but I uh I don't feel like there's somebody that's like really broken through in the AL right like there has like the Braves or the Dodgers yeah. and like the Phillies like I feel like there are I feel like it's a very clear those three teams at the top in the NL right um maybe Arizona maybe Arizona's mm-hmm. in there with the Phillies right like I feel like that's a very clear kind of maybe top 4 but in the AL, I feel like the pitcher is a little fuzzier, right? Like I feel like it's not as clear cut, and that's why I think you see these kind of wide ranges of the outcomes that I think between Pakoda and the playoff odds and the zips and fan graphs, right? Like it just seems like there's not a team that's really kind of breaking through because I think everybody kind of has a wide variance of outcomes, right, coming into the season. So, um, yeah, I. I, I what I said for the Mariners can apply to 50, you know, all the different teams in the AL. I feel at this point, you can't tell me with just the addition of Juan Soto, like the Yankees are going to be that much better. I think their ceiling is definitely winning their division. I think their floor is going below 500 again. Like, yeah, you know, outside of Soto, who could be a game changer, it takes nine men to win a baseball game, you know, even more when you can't account pitchers and stuff like that. Like, you know, one person's not going to make that much of a difference, you know? And I, I feel like you could say that with the Rangers, the Rangers have the ceiling to win the division, but some of their, you know, signings are lack thereof so far in the off season could put them in jeopardy of just missing the playoffs, you know? And it just, it's, it, I, you're completely you completely nailed it on the head with that. The NL, it's pretty clear cut who is the top. AL, you might as well just stick all teams on a dartboard and just start flicking darts. I think that's what it's going to come down to this season. I think this season is going to be more wild than the last couple seasons for the Mariners because there is five, six, seven teams that are going to compete be competing for just a wild card. A hundred percent, yeah, and. You know, the win totals really aren't like the projected win totals just aren't that much different, right? Like we're talking about the ninety wins for the Astros projected, eighty nine wins for the Yankees projected. Um so even though like it seems like they're they see like well, I mean, they they kinda have these bounds and you know, they're all simulated, right? And what have you. So like Somebody variable might end up more than that, but I, I just, uh, yeah, I just don't feel like there's a clear, I don't feel like there's a clear AL 
front runner at this point. Now there's a team and there's a team and there's, there's yeah. a couple teams in the AL that I think Fairwell might get there by the end of the season. Um, but I think from right where we're at right now, it's uh, it's an open picture for everybody. They have the Yankees. I, I don't have this up folks. Like I'm having both kind of tell me this is in trying to get a reaction here. They have the Yankees winning the division with 89 wins. Uh, they do. Yeah. It's projected rest of the season. Yeah. 89 wins. Yeah. That's that is wild. That is wild. And we're doing, we're doing schedule talk after we get done with this, Bo. Do you feel like a lot of this could be attributed to like, you know, the strengths, the schedules, you know, we're, we're not seeing the days of old where it was the Mariners would see everyone in the AL and then they'd pick two divisions or, or, or one division and the Padres to play on the NL, you know, we're seeing every team a season now. Do you think that's got to factor in and why some of these win totals are, seem very low? Um, yeah, yes. Yes. And no, I, um, it's a, it's difficult to pin down. I just, I, maybe I just don't know if there's a, Maybe it, maybe it just feels like maybe the AL is just not having the right moment for it because you would think with the Yankees playing in the AL East, which is, I think, objectively the best division, right? Then they're playing less games against the AL East, mm-hmm. that they're playing more games against the AL Central, right? And you know, some maybe some other teams in the AL West, more games against the Athletics and Angels, for instance, right? That you actually think that maybe they would increase their win totals, right? If that makes sense. So I don't know. I just kind of feel like maybe the AL is just not having a great baseball moment or maybe all the teams, maybe the parody in the AL is just really high, right? That's also an option of just like the AL has done a really good job of making all the teams equal as well. So um, it's a difficult one to pin down though. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the fan graphs odds. Why don't you hit us with the uh, Pakoda odds here since we keep kind of beating around the bush here. <laughs> we might as well yeah, just dive Pakoda, in. I mean, Pakoda has, Pakoda has the Mariners uh, finishing, I believe ninth best team in the AL. Um, uh, Pakoda was, Pakoda was down on the Mariners last year. Um, you know, I think they had 82 wins for the Mariners last year. I think they have been projected for 85 this year. Um, yeah. The ninth best team behind um, the Yankees, Blue Jays, Orioles, Rays, uh, Minnesota and Houston and Texas. Um, I think the thing that you just kind of look at this and you say, Oh, well, um, you know, it has Houston projected for 95 wins and it has the Mariners projected for 85 wins. The Mariners and the Astros don't the gap between those two teams, I don't think is 10 wins. Right. But, um, you know, it's all, it's all, it's very important to point out, right. Projections aren't projections are just a snapshot, right. They're simulated over a number of, a number of seasons, right? This kind of has this wide range of outcomes they've kind of arrived at. Um, so, like, nothing's finite here. Just kind of a, a snapshot of where maybe they think the roster is right now. I think that's you know that's valid potentially, right? Um, and I think it, I think it pinpoints your 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 point, right? It's like this is maybe the tail end of the projection, right? Or the tail end of like, maybe if things don't go right, maybe this is where we do end up 85 wins. And, you know, maybe fan graphs is the other side where, yeah, if things do go right, we're, you know, the fourth best team in the AL and comfortably in the playoffs. So um, yeah, it's just a wide range of outcomes for this Mariner team um, going into, into 2024. What? 
that just kind of plays into how I don't know much parity is in between these projections because in the Pakoda ones, eighty five wins is ninth best. Where in the Fangraphs, eighty nine wins wins your division. That's just I don't know. It's wild to me, and I know it's just simulated. Anything could happen. I mean, for for God's sakes, we could see the Tigers take the AL Central. We could see the A's snap out of it and go and compete for a division. I'm, I'm just throwing these out. Like anything could happen during the baseball season, you know. So don't take these these odds and projections as like the end all be all. The 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 you know it it. It's just projections, and that's that's the reason, you know. You see it all the time. You, as a Seahawks fan, the the Seahawks were projected for like four wins two seasons ago, and they won the or they made the playoffs. So I mean, shouldn't take any. You shouldn't take too much. Um, you shouldn't read too much into it. I guess is what I'm saying. But it's just wild to me that there's so uh, so much difference that you know what I'm trying to say. You know, like. 85 wins doesn't get you in the playoffs, but 89 wins and one gets you in the playoffs. It's just wild to me. Yep. No, I get it. I get it. It will be, uh, be fun to see where it ends up at the end of the year. Yep. Well, you brought up those and, and like I, I teased a little bit earlier, we are doing kind of a schedule review. Um, you know, uh, the, the Mariner schedule has been out for a little while for 2024. Make sure to go get your game tickets, obviously, Mariners fans. But, um, you know, looking at the schedule, uh, I feel I, – I don't know how you feel, Bo, but I feel like we are seeing how it kind of came down last season. It's kind of probably shaping up like that's how it's going to turn out this season where um, – you know, we're going to be in the thick of the playoff race and it's going to come down to winning uh, five, four or five ball games to, to get in the playoffs, you know, and we're going to, we're going to look back whether we make it or not and go, there is a stretch of games in April. There was a stretch of games in May and June where those wins would have probably not put us in this position, you know, where we're fighting for our life come, you know, the last day of the season. But uh, you know how how are you feeling about the schedule? Um, I feel relatively. I mean, it's you know, like we said, the parity's pretty high in the AL, right? So gonna be a tough, gonna be a tough go the high entire year, right? Um, when I look at it, there's definitely a couple areas where I think we're gonna have some struggles, right? And we're gonna kind of learn, I think, who the team is. Um, and we'll point those out here in a second. Um, but it's, uh, I think when I look at the schedule, um, you made the point, I think it's just important for the team to try to get off to as hot of a start as possible, right? Like it's important for these games that we're going to have, uh, end of March, early April, um, to kind of get some wins on the board, right? Like, uh, the fact that, you know, we needed, we need, we've needed, you know, runs in July and August now to really kind of help propel the team forward. Right. Um, that's been great, right. That we've had that and we've been able to click, but you know, just thinking about banking some of those wins earlier on, right. Think about like last year when things seemed really down again, like the national series, we lost two out of three to the nationals and it seemed like, 
you know, um, the world, the sky was falling, right? Like winning one of those games, right? Winning sweeping that series would have, you know, changed the outcome for the Mariners uh, at the end of the season. So um, I think it's just super important that some of these games that they're going to play in April um, up to a certain point when the schedule gets really difficult, um, they try to bank some wins, I think, going in. So I think to start with, let's just take a look at that, right? So we start the season off against the Red Sox. Um, I think other other notable ones for the kind of the month of uh, April here is a lot of uh, interleaguing. They go to, um, they eventually go to Milwaukee and then they end up in Toronto, but then they play um, the Cubs and the Reds back to back in Seattle. Um, and I think the start in the middle of April, right around April 20th, um, actually, I think it starts on April 19th is super important, um, going all the way to about, uh, one month of play, but, uh, they start with the Rockies and then this is the, this is the part of the schedule I look at and I say, we're going to kind of learn who this team is, right? Um, they're in mm-hmm. Arlington for three games. And then they come to Seattle against the D-backs and the Braves. So they play, you know, the the two teams that were in the World Series last year. And then they play the Braves and the Astros. And then they play the two teams that were in the World Series in 2021. And then they play the Twins, right? So all five of those teams, they're going to play back to back to back to back to back, whatever they're, right? Um, all playoff contending teams, all teams that are going to be, you know, hunting to get a playoff spot, like, all really good teams. And uh, the fact that it starts in actually Colorado before the Rangers series, I think is positive because we're going to need to bank some wins. Cause I don't think I have to tell you that the Mariners didn't win a game in Arlington last year. And it's going to be you know difficult for them to do it again this year. Yeah. yeah. And you bring that up where we start in Colorado and, and play at Coors field and then go to Texas and then coming out of, you know, you, you mentioned Minnesota, the, the series after Minnesota, we um, come back home and play Oakland. So, um, you know, I, I'm definitely happy that we're kind of booking and ending those with teams that are projected to be at the bottom. Um, but I, I really don't want to see the Oakland series as being have like being the series that it's the slump buster series. You know, if we didn't do well in the, against those five teams, I don't want to see us having to use the Oakland series like, okay, we got winnable games now. Let's get back on the board. You know, if, if you know, God, God willing here, you know, we could we could take at least two or three from at least three of these teams. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be difficult. Texas and Arizona, regardless of the transactions now, they're going to be great teams. <laughs> the Braves are one of the best teams in the whole MLB. And then we've got perennial rivals, Houston and, and Minnesota, who, you know, we were just talking about projections. They're proje- they're projected to win their respective divisions. So it's like that's that's you hit it right on the head. That is gonna be where we find out what this team has made. That and that's that's a huge stretch of games. That's that's you know, what did you say earlier? That's a tenth of the season. Uh, basically a tenth, yeah, a little over a tenth, something like that. Of yeah, gonna be. Yeah, going to be a core section of of the of the season right there, and I think it's really good that we do play. You do get the Diamondbacks and the Braves at home, so you get them at both the Team Mobile. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a very positive sign. You're playing the Braves, projected to be the best team in baseball, 
you know, at T-Mobile Park, even though they did play the Dodgers at T-Mobile Park last year, did it. I'm getting sweeped, but um, still going to be uh, going to be a challenge. Um, you know, I think the the Mariners play the uh, the Astros there as well, and the Mariners did relatively well in Houston last year. So there's some positive signs there, and you just kind of hope it continues. Um, I think you know, looking at some other parts of the schedule. Um, they, uh, I think when it starts right around the end of May, the Mariners are going to have a good shot with the angels, the athletics, the Royals and the white Sox all back to back. So kind of, you know, on one side, it looks like we might go through a challenging stretch in kind of the mid to end of April, um, beginning of May. And then this part of the end of, I think May into June, I think is a good portion where the Mariners can maybe make that up. Um, against some teams there. I think it's really important not to get yourself to a point where we're going to have to ask for a sweep. Like I think the Mariners did a lot last year, right? I think we asked for a sweep versus the Rockies. We asked for sweeps against the athletics at certain points last year. So I just, uh, it's critical to me that um, it's super critical to me that the Mariners start banking some wins in these first months. Like they didn't really do. They did somewhat okay last year in May, but um you know april and june were both months where they were under 500 for the month so i think it's just critical that some of these games they're going to have against some of these lesser teams in the al that they end up you know putting some wins on the board um but uh i was going to dive into kind of this next section i think um looking at looking at the section right uh, right at the beginning of august i think look this going to shape up to be a pretty important one for the Mariners. Um, we all know how well the August went last year. They do start it off against uh, the Phillies, but it is a nine game homestand where they go the Phillies, the Tigers, and then the Mets. And then they actually end up going back to the Tigers after that. So I think there's a lot of the good things that are shaping up for the Mariners for, for, for the summer wise, right? When this team starts to get a little hot. Um, but again, I think it comes back to hopefully, you know, banking some wins earlier on in the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that you you might be saying, What the Phillies, they're gonna be a good team. Yeah, but look who we have after. We got Detroit, uh, we got the Mets and then Detroit again. Like that just that that's a good start to August. That could that could you know, let's not jinx it, let's knock on wood, Bo, but that could be, you know, uh a, a, a very good division lead if if we played our cards right in May and June and July, you know. That could that could be very crucial down the stretch where we're looking, we're going, we're leading the division by three, four games or, you know, if, if we need to come back, Oh, we take three from Detroit. We're back in the race again, you know? So um, absolutely a good stretch of games there to, you know, hopefully extend the lead in the AL West and hopefully it's not necessarily having to play catch up. Yep. Um, 100% agree. Um, but the, the thing you mentioned though, you know, kind of, kind of moving on, you know, I'm looking at the notes here. Yeah. Uh, it, it might start pretty favorable in August, but, um, it, it gets tough down the stretch because, you know, after that, outside of after about Pittsburgh on August 18th, Dodgers, Giants, Rays, the angels who hopefully are the perennial punching bag again this year in the AL. Oakland and then St. Louis, San Diego, Texas Yankees. Like that's, that's a lot of good teams kind of down the stretch. Yeah. I'm really not. I'm honestly like I, 
and we'll point out the Astros and the Rangers schedule here in a little bit, but I, I not doesn't seem, this just does not seem like a very, um, thought together schedule for the Mariners at the end of the season compared to, um, maybe some other teams, but it's, it's, it's a really tough schedule to end the season, right? Um, all those good teams you do have to play, you know, of your last nine important games, um, Six of those are in Texas, right? Well, sorry, should be should be correct on that. Three of them are in Arlington. Three of them are in Houston, and then you do get the A's back at home. But um, you know the fact that you're playing both those Texas teams on the road um, makes for a really tall task. And uh, you know, I would argue that the Rangers and the A, the Rangers and the Astros, um, I don't think play each other in the entire month of September. Right. If I'm looking at their schedule correctly here. So like that just seems like a miss to me. Right. You're talking about, you know, to these two teams, one of them won the World Series in 23, one of them won in 22. And you're not even going to have them play at all in the last month of the season. Um, when it, you know, probably going to be at a playoff run for probably a potential playoff contending run for both of them. So, yeah, I think that's my gripe on the Mariners uh, schedule. It just seems like both those teams got off a little easy. Um you know, I think the the Rangers end up playing the A's and the Angels in their last six games. Um, the Astros play the Guardians, you know, not a slouch by any means, but then they do play, you know, the Mariners and the Angels in some of their last um, two series. So, yeah, I just didn't think that the Mariners got the Mariners feel like they got the short end of the stick to me. So um, what about you? How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, you, you bring it up, you know, we're playing Texas, Houston. They're not playing each other. The team that we're not going to see all of September is the Angels, who we certainly want. I don't – that stinks to me because after that series ends, what is it? The last series we see them, September 1st. So from September 1st on, we don't see the Angels at all. That means we're going to have to root for the Angels to go out and beat teams like Texas and Houston, which stinks. I don't ever want to root for the Angels. But we're going to have to in September if – you know if, if – we want to probably not, I'm not going to say sniff the playoffs because we sure certainly should be in the playoff race, but we're going to have to root for them to beat, you know, at least take one or two of these games to, to keep Houston and Texas down a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's the way it's shaping up. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan of how it all kind of came down this year in the schedule wise. It just seems like, yeah, Mariners got the short end of the stick and, Yes, we get to play. Uh, we get to play Oakland at home, the last series, which I think is maybe a gift. Maybe we're, we're overlooking that. They do get an off day before that, so maybe there's a chance. You know, the Mariners can make up three games there at the end of the season if they really, really need it. But um, then we get to a point where we're really, where we're really, really rooting for the Angels, and we're really, really rooting for the Guardians for um, some magic there. So, um, yeah, gonna be a tough, gonna be a tough end of the season and i can't uh you know can't stress enough just how important it is to uh, try to get off to a hot start and you know blank some wins early i i will say bo like i think i mentioned this last year when we did the schedule talk i really do like how the mariners open at home and then they also finish the year at home like i don't know i i guess Last year, I think was the same thing. I guess we just get lucky in that instance. Maybe, maybe MLB's like, but you guys get to open and close at home, so you know it doesn't matter if if you have to play Houston and Texas, you know, 
not in your last 12 games. So, <laughs> it was, sorry, six out of our last nine games. We got Yankees and, you know, in between those two Texas series. Oh, so. Yep. 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 Yeah. Well, um, I, I asked you this last year. Let's, let's ask you this year. What uh what games stand out for you um that are potentially ones that you are going to just because you know you got the uh the flex pass with the Mariners. Uh yeah, it's a little let's see. Um uh you know, I'm always uh I'm always interested in um I like it. I do like interleague games because it just seems like it's you know it's it it didn't used to be a team that you used to play that often, right? So that Cub the first Cub series I think is something I'm I'm relatively interested in. So probably going to try to maybe make uh, that April fourteenth one might might be the first game of the season there. Um, but uh, you know I think the Rangers come in in June. I think that that Saturday game. I think there's a Saturday game on uh, like four fifteen. Always a good ones to watch there. So. Um, really like the chance to probably get out to that game. Um, and yeah, I haven't looked, I haven't looked at games I'm specifically really wanting to go to yet, but the university of Idaho night is on, uh, August 3rd. So if you're, if you feel, if you're feeling interested, oh Rick, um, come on down. So, um, against the, against the Phillies, against the Phillies, yep. university of university of Idaho night happens against the Phillies. That would be a fun game to go to. <laughs> What is what is the third? Is the third the middle of the that week? That is a Saturday. Saturday, Saturday. That is a Saturday. Saturday. Yes, there you go. Wow. Come on down. So, um, but yeah, uh, probably make it to I don't know handful of games this year. Um, should be uh, should be a good time for it. So, yep. It is Z about that age that he might start liking baseball this season. Uh, probably not quite. Just as long as we stay away from the moose. Yep. <laughs> You know, one of these days we're going to recount, we're going to have audio evidence and you're going to recount that whole story for fans and everywhere, but we're going to have audio evidence. So when Z gets older, we can be like, we have to tell you this story, but we're going to do it with an old episode of the Forkstown podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yep. As, as for myself, um, you know, as, as I don't live in Seattle, it's a little bit tougher for me to get to games. I will certainly be watching probably again this season, every game, or at least listening to it on the radio. Um, but there is one game that I should be going to, um, we already have tickets, a family vacation planned for the Seattle area, the Puget Sound area. And I asked the rest of the family if they wanted to go to a Mariners game because that was looking like it's probably going to be my only chance to go to a Mariners game this season. And I talked them into a middle of the week series in May against the Royals. Um, it is value ticket night, uh, left field, center field. And I think um, upper deck seating is all $10. I, I'm, don't quote me on the upper deck, but I know left and center is. And I told them I would buy them all tickets to go. So I will be going to see newly extended uh, Bobby Witt Jr. And the Royals that who they quite possibly the Royals could have a, a pretty decent team. I mean, I don't know if they're going to contend quite yet, but um, you know, they, they made a little bit of noise with uh, you know, some of the signings they made. So um, that's probably the only game that I'll get to. Um, 
unfortunately. Maybe maybe if we're in the thick of the playoff hunt, I can sneak over to Seattle maybe for, I don't know, the last series against Oakland. I always, win or, win or lose, whether we're going to the playoffs or not, I always kind of like the last couple series of the season just because uh, the Mariners do stuff like, uh, you know, hand out their team awards, um, usually have the minor league players that did well that season in the ballpark. Um, and sometimes they got legends there, you know, I, I think it was three or four seasons ago. I saw, you know, they did a presentation where they had like Edgar and I don't think Griffey was there. I think it was Edgar, Jay Buhner, Dan Wilson, guys like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, hoping the schedule plays favorably for the Mariners. I really do. I really do because um, it's going to be a tough one down the stretch. Again, again, it's – it's. I don't know why we, we complain about it. I mean, it's always tough down the stretch, especially when you have the pressure of being in a playoff race. Most definitely, most definitely. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but I guess, okay, let's leave it. I'll, I got, I got one last thing for you. So we stress, you know, importance of playing some interleague games. So let's, let's do this. The Mariners played Rick Clark 46 games interleague last interleague games last year. Okay. What was the Mariners record in those interleague games? 46 games, 20, 23 and 23. Uh, very close. 22 and 24. So. I figured you'd only ask me this if it was something just really random as they went 500 in interleague play. I was, I was close. They went, they went just under 500, just under 478 winning percentage. So, um, gotta, gotta bump yeah. that up a little bit to get up to 54%. So, um, uh, but, uh, yeah. So hopefully they all bank up more this year. There you go. We, we can only hope we can only hope. Well, with that, Bo, that is the show this week. Um, do you have anything else for our listeners before we get That's out of here? That's it for me. That's it for you? Well, that will be it for me as well. Like I said, Mariners fans, go get your Mariners tickets. Let's go pack T-Mobile Park every night. Make it the electric factory. Um, I, I I really, really think that um, the electric factory is a real thing, and they, they play a little bit better with that, that place hopping, so... And if you haven't, if you're a newly new Mariners fan or you've never been to the stadium, if you live outside of the Pacific Northwest, try to make a trip out. Um, I haven't I haven't been to ballparks besides T-Mobile, um, but I, I know a lot of people that have gone to other ballparks and they say T-Mobile is one of the better ones. Um, just always beautiful. The roof's always nice, um, you know, so if it's raining or anything, you're still watching some baseball. You don't ever get rained out in Seattle. Um, you know, and, and they're, they're cleaning up a little bit down there, Bo. They're, uh, you know, the tram's still iffy to ride, but they've got some nice bars and stuff down there. If that's your scene or, you know, some nice festivities before the game. So, um, go get your Mariners tickets. Really, really do it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Also go get the fried grasshoppers. I think I'm going to finally do it this year. I think I'm going to do it yep. this year. Bo. Go for it. So. Yep. <laughs> for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast for Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark and we'll see you guys next week
brother. 